You are listening to the Good Advice Softball Podcast. I'm Dan Blewett, and on this show, you'll learn how to help the softball player in your life sharpen her skills, improve her mindset, and find new confidence through softball. All right, welcome back to the Good Advice Softball Podcast. I'm Dan Blewett. On today's show, we're going to cover two main topics. First, what are good times to steal? What are not good times to steal? So we'll talk a bunch about that. And number two, how hard is it to be a pinch hitter? What are some of the considerations? And what can coaches do to help make pinch hitting a little bit easier? All right, so first off, when does it make sense to steal? So here's the criteria, essentially. The criteria is, can I steal a base to put myself into a position where my team can manufacture a run with me being there? So to refresh your memory, manufacturing a run is when you move a runner over and then move the runner in through, you know, ground ball to the right side or a bunt and then a sack fly or, you know, another ground ball to the right side, whatever. But obviously that's a a manufactured run. So it makes the most sense to steal when getting into scoring position farther means that now we actually don't need base hits to score that runner. So there's two main times when you want to do this. Number one, with no outs, you want to try to steal second base. So if you steal second base with no outs, a ground ball of the second baseman will advance that runner to third with one out, and now a fly ball to medium center field or deeper will score that runner, right? Or left field or right field. So that's one situation where you definitely want to steal second base if you can, because then again, it doesn't require a hit to score you. Ground ball to the right side or a deep uh, sack fly. And then another sack flyer, ground ball to the right side, and you'll score that runner. It's a free run, and it's really difficult for the pitcher, obviously, to defend that. The other scenario is stealing third with one out. So obviously, if you steal third with one out, a sack fly will score you, or a ground ball you know, to the shortstop or second baseman, uh, if they're conceding the run, will score that runner and let her score from third. So those are the two main scenarios where stealing a base is helpful. Now, the other time is and this is not a manufactured run situation but stealing second with two outs can be advantageous because now you get a chance to basically eke across a run with a base hit so say it's there's no one on and a runner walks with two outs so now she's on first with two outs the inning is still very low probability of scoring a run with you know you had no one on and two outs now you have run on first still three bases away from scoring but now if you can steal second with two outs we just need like one blooper or one ground ball goes through the shortstop's legs and that runner's probably going to score from second because she's moving on contact. So those are pretty much the three situations where if you're going to give the green light to a, a base runner who's got the wheels and you know the catcher maybe doesn't have the premium arm, it's going to make more sense. Now, if you have a runner on second with no one out, it doesn't make that much sense to try to steal third because you don't need to get the third with zero outs because you're already in a position where two sack flies will score you from second base. So staying put is probably the safest bet if it's going to be at all close if you're trying to steal third. And again, the the cardinal sin is don't make the first or third out at third base. And the reason being, you're going to score from third with two outs any, or you're going to score from second with two outs anyway. So you don't need to get to third and uh, you don't need to get to third base with zero outs for the reasons I just explained, which is that you're going to score from second with no outs a high percentage of the time anyway. So it's just a little bit too greedy trying to get to third with zero or with two outs. Now, again, everyone, you know, people who 
want to argue this with me or with others is they go, oh, it's always easier to score when you're just 90 feet away. Well, duh, of course it is. But when you get to the higher levels of baseball and softball where you don't just get to stroll into third for free and runners will throw you out consistently if you're not a very good base dealer, then it comes down to risk and reward. And there is just not great reward in stealing third base with two outs because especially again this is at higher levels of baseball or softball where you know the catchers are not trash where it's not just like you know every other pitch in the dirt goes to the dugout and now you score on a pass ball you know when it's you know 11u softball 12u softball 13u baseball and every fifth pitch goes to the backstop sure stealing third you're probably just going to a walk over to third anyway on a pass ball and then if you're on third now you have a choice choice or a chance to steal or to score on the next you know ball that goes through your not very good catcher's legs i get that and that makes sense but again when you get to the point where everyone can catch and throw pretty well and there's not as many free bases now you have to be really you have to really justify stealing third base because you're going to start to get thrown out doing it and you know it's just the coaches that that are very insistent that being 90 feet is always better um i just don't think they really weigh the options and how likely you already are to score from second on a single with two outs because you're moving on contact it's relatively certain unless you hit a scorcher at somebody so again these are the things to consider the best times to steal are with a runner on second and one out you want to steal third with one out runner on first and no outs or runner on first and two outs because stealing second with two outs or with no outs those are both other good situations to steal All right, so let's talk a little bit about pinch hitters and how difficult that role is. So obviously, it, for most of you listening, there's not a, like a dedicated pinch hitter on your team, right? In higher levels of softball and baseball, a bench player who's n- not really a starter is going to be, you know, the next in line to basically just like get that pinch hit a bat in the, you know, the the sixth or seventh when, you know, it's coming down, the game's on the line, and maybe they're just going to sub in for a hitter who's just not as not as strong. But what they've learned on the baseball side from the massive amount of data analytics they now have is that basically there's a penalty of about 40 points in batting average that a pinch hitter takes. So if you were a, a Hall of Fame, like 300 hitter, and you become a pinch hitter, it's all we can really expect out of you is to hit about 260. Just because pinch hitting is so difficult, you only you get less at bats, so you're less fresh. You sit through almost all the game, and then you are called, and then you stand up, and you get a couple swings, and then you jump in there, and then you do your best against typically one of the better pitchers at the end of the game, right? So the, that's those are the tasks that make pinch hitting really hard: staying mentally locked in during the game, quickly going from you know sitting on the bench to body physically warm and ready to go and mentally locked in to go in there and have a good at bat it's just not easy and obviously the more bats you're getting the more um you know just the the more fresh and in the game you stay so again in baseball they know there's basically a 40 point penalty even if you're a hall of fame hitter you're going to hit 40 points less if you're moved into a pinch hitter role so as a coach that's important to know number one because you cannot expect the same results out of a pinch hitter if you have someone on your bench who's more of a role player and this is this still happens in travel ball like 
you know, if you have a, a really premium travel team and you have a player who you're like, hey, we'll take you on the roster, but you're probably not going to be a starter. Are you okay with that? And they're like, yep, I just want to be on the team. I want to try to earn my playing time. I know I might not start, but I just want to be there and get better and blah, blah, blah. You know, that happens. So that might be the player who is the pinch hitter, who she gets one start a weekend and a couple of pinch hit at bats, right? So it's important for a coach to know that. And it's important for a coach to also help her as best he can by giving her a heads up to just look, know when she's going to get in the game. Now, this is where forecasting as a coach is important and really looking ahead down the lineup. Because what you don't want to do is look down the lineup and point at someone and say, hey, you're now up next. That's not great. They got to throw off their jacket. They got to hop up, start waving their arms around, get their bat, find their batting gloves, and they get basically no chance to uh, to get ready. Now, that happens sometimes. Sometimes just the game gets weird, and that's the best you can do as a coach. But typically, you know, if it's like you're down four to two and the last inning's coming up and you look at your batting order and you're like, okay, if we have a chance to win this game, you know, we're going to have to send at least five hitters to the plate. So one, two, three, four, five. All right, that's our eight-hole hitter. She's probably my candidate to pinch hit for. Um, so, all right, let's call Carrie up off the bench. Hey, Carrie, look, next inning, if we get to the eight-hole hitter, you know, little Sally, you're going to pinch it for Sally. So be mentally ready that if the game gets that far, I'm going to call to you right there. And obviously if we don't get there, then we don't. But in that situation, she's like, all right, now she's got a, a half inning before her team comes to bat again to start like mentally getting ready, you know, running around, getting loose, going behind the dugout, getting some swings. Like you get a chance to dial in. Now, when this is your role, like for guys who are pinch hitters or girls who are pinch hitters, they start to feel this out. Just like for me as a relief pitcher, I knew when my situation was going to come up because I knew what my role was. And that was, again, good communication from my coach. Of course, that's like across the board, just par for the course at high-level baseball and softball. But I knew that I would pitch if we were ahead by no more than three runs in the eighth inning. That was my that was my shot when I was a setup man my second to last season. So I knew if it's the sixth inning and it's two to one and we're winning, I'm like, all right. If the, if the score holds, I will pitch the eighth. Or if we only, you know, we score one more run, I will pitch the eighth. So I mentally start getting ready to say, okay, you know, things are going in the right direction for me to pitch. You know, then the seventh comes up and we're still up two to one. So it's like, all right, the next thing is mine unless something changes. So you're mentally just starting to, to cruise towards going to the game. The same is true with the pinch hitter. Pinch hitters, they have the routine as well. You know, in the fourth or fifth inning, they start to, go back under the tunnel, stretch, do their thing. That's like pregame for them because they know they're going to pinch hit in the seventh, eighth, or ninth, you know? So now, again, in softball, and especially in like youth and travel ball, this is not going to be much less the case. But again, as a coach, you want to try to map out the game as much as you can and give players a chance to, to have that role. So if you have a girl who's sitting the bench and this she started the previous game, but she's not going to start this game, but you do think she might pinch hit if you get there. This is where you say before the game, hey, you know, little Tina, if we get to this kind of situation, the sixth inning, I'm probably going to pinch hit for you. So make sure you're watching the game. So if it's close and one of these two hitters comes up or they look like they're coming up, that's probably where I'm going to go to you. And they can watch the game and mentally rise and fall with the game and, and be ready to do that too. So again, the mental part of being a pinch hitter is one of the hardest parts. And that again is because 
you're just on the bench, not checked in. You're hopefully watching the game and, and still really engaged in it. But being on the bench is just being on the bench, right? You can only be so in, so locked into the game, especially when you're chatting with teammates and cheering them on and doing all this other stuff. So, you know, the best you can do is have an idea of when you might go in the game. Hopefully your coach communicates that with you. And then you can both be on the same page so that you can be mentally and physically rising up to be ready right when your moment is hopefully going to happen. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you don't get the call and you're mentally ready and you're hot and you're ready to go and got your bat and your batting gloves on. You think, you know, coach might say, hey, you know, this is your shot. And then it just might not be. And that happens too. But again, pinch hitting is 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 difficult. And the best thing you can be, you can do is be ready to go mentally and physically and hopefully have a coach that helps you accomplish both of those things well that's all the good advice i've got for today if you enjoy the show and would like to support me while also helping yourself enroll today in one of my online softball courses my she's got a cannon throwing courses come with pricing plans for any budget and my resolute athlete mental skills course will help your daughter or team build the mindset of a champion Enroll in any of my courses through the links in the show notes and save 20% with code GOODADVICE just for being a listener. Be sure to subscribe to my weekly email list where you'll get updates on all my new videos and episodes. Nearly 4,000 people get my emails, and you should too. Sign up through the link in the show notes. Lastly, who do you know who can use some good advice? Please share this podcast with a friend, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe to my Snap Softball YouTube channel, where you'll find this podcast and hundreds of softball instructional videos. Back when I was a player, I was always thankful for good coaches and good advice. I'm Dan Blewett, and I'll see you next time.